0: Paul I'd like for you to come down if you will please. We're going to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. Like for the all of our elders come on down. Any other men that would like to come on down lay hands on Paul as well. I just want you to not to embarrass or anything, but I just want to I want to do this publicly. The Bible tells us if there's any sick among us and It's amazing that Paul is standing here today. He was, it was two days ago, he was in in the hospital. Lord Jesus, everybody raise your, put your hands toward Paul, if you will, and join in a green prayer. Your word says, Lord, that if there's any sick among us, for them to call forth the elders of the church, that they would anoint her with oil. We'd pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith would save the sick. Lord, your word says, if there's any sin, it'd be forgiven. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will do what no doctor can do. I pray, Lord God, that you would be the heart healer. That, Lord Jesus, you would cause the blood to go where it needs to go. You understand blood better than anybody. You understand valves and hearts better than anybody. And Lord, you know exactly where Paul is and what he needs. And Lord, we know that you are his answer. And we just thank you, God, that as we join in faith with him, your word says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So, Lord, there's millions being put to flight right now in the name of Jesus. We know your word says where two of us agree as to touching you about anything that they would ask the Father that you would hear from heaven and you would respond to our prayer that is offered in, in faith. Jesus, when you walked this earth and you performed the miracles, you often would say, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So, Father, we just join our faith with Paul's, and we ask, God, that you would have his heart in your hand. Do with him, Lord God, in the healing fashion that you desire. Lord God, we know that your power is greater. And, Lord, I just thank you that peace that passes all understanding guards every part of Paul today, and we thank you for hearing this prayer. We honor you and bless you, and we just expect good things, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Amen. I want to, again, welcome all of you that are here with us today, and uh, thank you for all of you that came early and was a part of our membership class. That was a, a blessing to be a part of, and those of you joining us online, thank you for being with us as well. It's a privilege and an honor to be able to minister to you each and every Sunday, whenever and wherever you may be listening from or listening at. Today, we're going to continue on our series on the miracles of Jesus. We've been looking uh, for the past couple Sundays at Matthew chapter 8 in this message series, and they're called The Miracles of Jesus, and we've so far looked at three, and these first three, as I told you uh, four Sundays ago, we're going to be looking at people that were outcasts or at least viewed as more lowly than everyone else in culture. And so far, I've shown you how Jesus healed a leper, how Jesus healed a Gentile's Roman centurion servant. And then last week, we saw how fever left Peter's mother-in-law and how women were looked at in the culture in that day. And today, we're going to see how Jesus calms a storm. And how God, through Jesus, had power over creation. Today we live in a day where we can access more information about the weather than at any other time in history. I mean, every one of us are like a weatherman, little walking weatherman. Whether we have we got The Weather Channel or Weather Bug or Yo! Window or whatever it is you've got on your phone. In fact, uh, I was was finding that I don't think the Android can get it, and I'm going to get bad rap because I have an Android, and all my family's got iPhones, and they think I'm some sort of a freak because I don't have an iPhone. But I've got an Android, but I don't have this app that has the ability. Listen to this. It is a rain app. And it will tell you, has the ability to tell you when it's going to rain, how long it's going to rain, and when it's going to end. Now that's more accurate than a weatherman. And I have heard it is pretty spot on. But even though man has all kinds of up-to-the-minute, state-of-the-art information about weather, the one thing That will never change, and man still can't do, and that is change the weather. The old saying is just as true as ever. Everyone talks about the weather, but no one can do anything about it. And that is is no one except Jesus, because in today's passage, Jesus doesn't just talk about the weather. Jesus talks to the weather, and the weather changed. So today's miracle is not only showing us that Jesus has power over the weather. It's going to actually teach you three very important things about Jesus himself. So I want to show you all three of these things today as we go into the Scripture today in Matthew chapter 8. So if you'll follow along with me there, I'll also have it on the screen behind me. Matthew chapter 8, let's begin with verse 23. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. The Bible says this in verse 23 of Matthew 8. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly, everybody say, suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea. Would you say that? Tempest. So that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. The first point I want to make to you is this. Jesus is completely unmoved well we need (laughs) we need to grab that teaching how many of you go through storms don't raise your hands on this one how many of you those storms have moved you to fear to doubt to misunderstanding Jesus is not moved at all. Jesus is sleeping. You cannot be at more peace than sleeping. And literally, the disciples are wondering, what, don't you care? Can I say this about being at peace? It can look like to people who are freaking out that you don't care. Have you ever been accused of, well, you just don't care? No, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I know who has it. And he cares more than even you do. But he's not freaking out. He won't freak out. He's sleeping. So he's completely unmoved. This is the first teaching. This miracle teaches us that Jesus is unmoved by storms. And the word tempest, I asked you to say tempest, Because this is the Greek word, the word seismos. When you look at this word in the Greek, it's literally where we get our word earthquake from. So that word tempest, if it's on the land, an earthquake's going on. When it's on the ocean, a hurricane's going on. Or a typhoon is going on. So I'm not talking about, and that's why I asked you to say tempest, because a lot of times we look at this and go, oh, it was just a storm. No, it was a tempest. And a tempest is, if you rated wind, you would rate it this way. A breeze, a gale, raging, tempest. Hurricanes are tempest. Now, whether it was an actual hurricane, it had that kind of wind. So, we need to understand that the current of this wind is intense. The storm that they're going through is intense. And the storms, if you know anything about the Sea of Galilee, the storms on the Sea of Galilee come from basically three directions. They come from the east, they can come from the south, or they can come from the west. But the strongest storms originate from the east. In fact, this is a very interesting study if you want one. Every time you read in Scripture about the east wind, it's a bad one. It is a bad thing going on. In fact, a lot of times there's judgment involved in it. Uh, In Exodus, the east wind blew in some judgment, grasshoppers, and various things upon Egypt. It came out of the east. And this easterly wind is known in Arabic as sharkia, and it means the shark. And it would usually start in the early afternoon, and it would continue to cause apprehension among local fishermen And it does to this day. When they get those storms that come from the east, because I found even in... uh, around 20, 2022, on the night of May the 14th, early morning hours of May 15th, the strong easterly winds began to blow, and it, it was about an 87-mile-an-hour wind that caused trees to collapse. It blocked the roadways. The strong easterly winds combined with the high water level of the Sea of Galilee actually caused the boardwalk of Tiberius to flood. And so... That is the most intense of lesser intensity storms. They're from the south. Those winds will only come around 18 to 20 miles an hour. They're a very warm desert wind, carry a significant amount of debris and suspended particles. And last of all, storms that come from the west out of the Mediterranean, when they arrive, they arrive suddenly. Boom. And so you'd have this narrow, long and winding stream beds in this semi-mountainous area around the Sea of Galilee on the western side of the Sea of Galilee, and gusts of wind would begin to form rapidly and forcefully, and they would enter in between these steep, steep cliffs. And then with increasing power, it would come down onto the lake situated 650 feet below sea level. And in a matter of minutes, these gusts of wind transformed the smooth surface of the Sea of Galilee, and it would merge the wind and the wave, and they would continue to blow so that a, a hurricane conforms just like that. Yet Jesus, the creator of heaven and Earth, demonstrates his authority, first of all, by sleeping. First of all, I want you to notice he's not surprised. Everybody say he's not surprised. And when this storm comes up suddenly, would you say this with me without warning? How many of you have dealt with some stuff that just comes up and it's without warning? It's like, bam! It just came on you. And that's usually what happens in life. It's suddenly. It's the suddenlies of life. And so... As these difficulties come into our life, we find here in our text that's exactly the way it came to these disciples. But even though the storm may have come without warning for the disciples, nothing catches Jesus by surprise. And I want you to look at this because I don't know if I have the Scripture on, online, but if you'll look at verse 18... The Bible says when Jesus saw a great multitude about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now, I'm going to say something that it might mess with your theology, but walk with me on this. Jesus... Led them into the storm. They were only doing what he said to do. He said, Well, I don't think God leads us into a storm. Walk with me to Luke 4. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who led him into the wilderness? Was it the devil? Or was it the Spirit? It says it in red and white, right or black and white, right there. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. You see, I believe a lot of times when we think we've come to God, we've aborted the love boat. The love boat, everything's really good. No. You boarded the battleship, man. It's not all... Fun and games, amen? But the Bible says when Jesus was led into the Spirit in Luke 4, by the Spirit into the wilderness, you keep reading a little bit later, the Bible says after those 40 days and 40 nights, and he was tempted by the devil, he defeated the devil, and he came out in the power of the Spirit. So Jesus led them into there. He said, go across the water. And so he got into the boat knowing the storm was coming, and even though he knew that, he laid down and he went to sleep. God is never surprised because he already knows what will happen, how unlike us. Life catches us off guard all the time. We even have a phrase for it, didn't see that coming. Look at your neighbor and go, didn't see that coming. You know, I mean, things happen to us without warning all the time, but not Jesus. Nothing catches our Lord by surprise. So Jesus, number one, notice this, he's not scared. Number two, he's not stressed. Nothing causes him worry. Nothing causes him stress. When the the storm hit the boat, Jesus is still sleeping. And as I said earlier, this is not a little storm. Matthew calls it a tempest, a furious storm. And the word he uses for storm, as I said earlier, is that word seismos, meaning earthquake on land. So the storm hit the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and everything around it was shaken furiously. That shaking was so bad, the waves, the Bible said, swept over the boat. Notice that. Notice that back in that scripture. Where was I at there? Verse uh, 24. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered. Everybody say covered. It was immersed. It was baptized. It, 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 and he was asleep. Church, are you with me on this? I don't know if anybody ever has a water bed anymore. Those are already one thing to sleep on water. He, water was sleeping on him. He had water coming on him. How, I can't sleep like that. I mean, if somebody, usually that's when you wake them up and when you throw water, right? They're up. Yeah, I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. But Jesus wasn't up. And it's amazing to me, he's not scared and he's not stressed. How could he sleep through all that commotion? Well, first off, because I'm sure he was tired. And that usually while you sleep, you're tired. And he's been, remember, he just came from uh, Peter's place. He healed Peter's mom-in-law. He's healing all these people that had diseases. The Bible says he was was casting demons out. And I'll tell you that, that's spiritual work. Spiritual work is tougher than physical work. I heard one preacher say, you know, when we're done preaching a message, when we're done with a Sunday, it's like we worked an eight-hour day. That's how we feel physically. And I'm like, oh, that's why it's easy to go to take a nap. Now, I'm sure that it, not only was he tired, but secondly, he could sleep through the storm because he wasn't afraid. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't stressed. But we can take a lot of, can't we take a lot from this right now? That all the storms that are going around in our world, and I'm not talking physical nature storms, I'm talking about political or uh, financial or spiritual. All of these things that are going on, all the storms that are around us, we don't have to be scared. I like how they say it in Texas be ye not skeered. Be ye not afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. Jesus, as man, slept in the boat. Tired and trusting, Jesus slept through the storm. Nothing surprises him. Nothing stresses him. Thirdly, we may panic. But he's not scared. The disciples are in full panic mode. Now can I can I remind you what these guys used to do for a living before they followed him? Can Yeah. They, and guess where they fished? On that sea. These are fishermen. These are guys who were good in the boat. That's what they did. That was part of their tools. They're fishermen. They saw big storms before. So this one must have been really big to scare them this way. They they really thought they were going to die. That's what they said to him. Lord, save us. We are perishing. That means, New King James, King James back into 2024, it means, hey, Jesus, we're dying here. We're in the process of dying right now. And just like the disciples are crying out about the storm, this is also the cry of everyone who comes to God for help. Lord, save us. We're perishing. Before you came to him, uh, uh, before you got to be a Christian, that's what you did. You're dying in your sin. Amen? Every person without God, you are dying in your sin. We can't make it without you. And you came to God and said, God, I can't do this without you. I can't, I can't win. I can't beat sin. I can't beat this habit. I can't beat these thoughts. I can't beat these words. I. I, I on my own, I'm, I'm undone. I need you, Jesus. In these verses, Jesus is the perfect example of trusting Faith for us. The the disciples are terrified by the storm, but Jesus sleeps unafraid. Why? Because he completely trusts his Father. Can it remind you of Psalm ninety one? The devil tried to use this against Jesus when he's in the wilderness. Didn't the Lord say he was going to give you his angels to watch over you? But in Psalm ninety one one and two says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. How do you have a shadow? There's got to be light. God is light. So when God shows up, all your dark dark storms are going to have a shadow. That's where He wants you to stay. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Refuge. Fortress. All little guys, all little boys know how to make a fort. That's that's just a small word for fortress. Except most times our our forts are made out of blankets and sometimes sticks and twigs and hay bales or whatever, whatever we find. Amen? Jesus sleeping in the boat shows us how God, or help. To trust God, rather, in times of crisis. God is our refuge. God is our fort. No matter what you're going through, you too can also rest into the shadow of the Almighty. Now, church, I haven't even gotten to the miracle yet. We're, We're not even done. We're not even talking about the miracle yet. We're not even at the miracle part. It's coming. And yet, we can see already a miracle in Jesus sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm. You can't do that. You know what a definition of a miracle is? Here's David Drew's summation man can't do it. What's a miracle? Something man can't do. If you can make it happen, it's not a miracle. If God can do it through a man, it's not a miracle. If a doctor says, I can't do anything more, I need a miracle then. Well, i got good news. God's still a miracle-working God. I want the devil to know that. You know, sometimes I get a little, maybe you might think I'm a little cocky, but what it is is I'm bold against the devil when I start talking like this. And if I'm cocky, it's only because I want him to understand what God is saying Amen? I want the devil to know. I know what he knows. And I want you to know, because I know, you're not going to get it over on me. And you're not going to get it over on my people. And you're not going to get it over on my family. And you're not going to get it over on my nation. And you're not going to get it over on the world. Because the word of God is going to go forth, and it's going to defeat him in the name of Jesus. Pardon me as I get happy up here. Second thing I want you to see is this Jesus cares for you. Would you look at your neighbor and say, Jesus cares for you? Now, here we come to the actual miracle. Look at verse 26. But he said to them, Why are you fearful? Mark this, O oh, you of little faith. Then he arose. And he rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. First thing out of the box I want to share with you is this. Faith is incompatible with fear. There are a few things we learn from the part of this text. And first of all, faith is incompatible with fear. You can have faith or you can be afraid, but you can't. Really do both at the same time. Either your faith will drive out your fear or your fear will drive out your faith. And so Jesus says to his disciples, why are you fearful, O, oh, you of little faith? I heard one minister say this way, when, when fear came knocking, I opened the door and said, oh, it's only you. The word Jesus uses here for fear is a word that actually means to be timid or cowardly. The Bible says that God's love, there's no timidity there. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love. And of a sound mind. Love drives out fear. In fact, do you know that faith can't work without love? So can I ask you, what is the greatest of all these things? What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? He didn't say have faith in God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's a second one really close to it. It's a brother. It's a, it's a brother. Love your neighbors, yourself. That's why we at Celebration believe loving God and loving people and living it out is the important thing. C2, great commission, great commandment. Amen? Now watch this. This word that Jesus uses here, I want you to know that he says, Why are you fearful, cowardly, timid, O oh, you of... Now watch what he didn't say. He didn't say, oh, you of no faith. He said, oh, you of little faith. Now, can I ask a question? How did it end? What, what is the end of this scripture? Then he arose, he rebukes the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, he, they asked him, don't you care that we're perishing, Lord? In other words, it's, it, it's like them asking him to get rid of the storm, but it was with a lot of fear. But Jesus didn't say, oh, you of no faith. He said, oh, you of little faith. That word, little faith, is actually, it's a a two-part word, and it's the Greek word oligopistos. The word pistos is faith. The word oligo is small. Notice here in the Greek, it didn't say, "Oh, you of apistos, which would have said, "No faith." Instead, Jesus said, "You have small faith. You have little faith." And listen, church, little faith can often result in big fear, just as it did here in this passage. They had a little faith, but they were fearful. Just like we might have a little muscle on our body, you can get it bigger, but you got to work it. And you're going to go through a process. You're going to go through some pain. You're going to go through some strain. Without pain, there's no gain. And that's the same thing. You're going to go through things to increase your faith, and they're not going to feel good. How many of you know? I mean, all these people say, ah, oh, the exercise, this feels good. No, it doesn't. I have never. I'm sorry. I mean, if you're, if you're a pro at exercise, forgive me my ignorance, but it, it is not fun, and it doesn't feel good while I'm doing it. But after I've done it for a while, it's not as hard as it used to be, and then it does develop the good things that come, the endorphins and all that stuff that they talk about. But those things don't come first time out of the box after you ate a big old chocolate cake for january one amen or a bunch of you know turkey and pie and whatever it is and it's like man i've got to get all this stuff off and that's why people quit because it doesn't feel good then they go back to the pie because it feels good amen i know i'm talking i know i'm saying it right Little faith appears five times, that phrase appears five times in the gospel. And do you know what? Every single time it is used in reference to Jesus' disciples. Every time. It appears in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about how God takes care of the birds of the grass and tells him, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not, not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Now, they are panicking this huge storm. And once again, Jesus says they have little faith. And this is in direct contrast. Can I walk you back two miracles? Where Jesus is marveling at the greatest amount of faith he's ever seen in all of Israel. And it is a centurion, Gentile, Roman soldier. And he is marveling. He is like, I tell you the truth, I haven't found this kind of faith in all of Israel. This is awesome. Back in his hometown, they had no faith and he's amazed about that. And Jesus is saying, "Listen, I want to tell you, no matter the size of the storm, your faith should be the same. Our faith shouldn't go up and down with the size of our trials." In fact, this is one of the reasons God allows the storms in the first place. Remember back in verse 18, who led him there? Jesus is the one who said, let's get into the boat, cross to the other side. So it's Jesus who led him into the storm. But one of the reasons Jesus brings you into the storm is to walk with you in the storm and to build your faith. In fact, there's another time this is going to happen, and he actually walks on a storm. So he walks on it. He talks to it. He lets it bathe him in rain. Look at 1 Peter 1.7. Are you getting anything out of this? I'm having, uh, this, is, this is, I'll tell you what, I'm not working. This is fun, okay? That the genuineness, look at this, of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, here it is, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ it's tested by fire. You know what we're told in Isaiah 43? We're told we're going to go through the fire. We're told we're going to go through the flood. It says that when you pass through the waters, not if, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, not if, they're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, not if, you won't be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. So it doesn't matter, fire or water, it doesn't matter. God's there, and it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to flood you. It's not going to fire you. So come, knowing that Jesus can rescue you from the storm, because that's what he did for the disciples. Back to verse 46. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Let's look at the word rebuked. He arose and rebuked. Everybody say rebuked. Can we use that word against the devil? The word rebuked here means to command with the implication of a threat. Now, I know a lot of times even insurance clauses have this, an act of God. We don't cover an act of God. So every weather event is an act of God. But that's kind of messing with my theology here because according to what Jesus said, he rebuked it. So if the Father sent it, he's rebuking what the Father sent. You see, it's not God that makes the storms. It's the devil that makes the storms. It's God that leads us maybe into the wilderness or into the storm. He causes us to go through it. So, He is rebuking, and the Bible literally, as, as, as that Greek word is saying, it's, it's literally to, to uh, command with the implication of a threat. So, Jesus is completely unthreatened, but the storm's not safe from His command. The enemy's not safe. What exactly did Jesus say to the storm? Well, here, we don't see that. You got to go to the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter four and verse 39 is, this is what it says. He doesn't say a lot. All it says is, "Peace be still." And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. You know why? He is the prince of peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. That's amazing. You know, many of us can't even say that to our pets and get them to obey. Peace, be still. Bark. It's like you little brat, stop barking. Bark, bark, bark. Amen. If I'm right. Oh me, oh my. Jesus said, quiet, be still, and the miracle came. The winds and waves obeyed. The terrible shaking stopped. Everything became completely calm. Jesus, let me remind you what he's doing. He's bringing the kingdom, preaching, teaching, healing, the ing ministry. Preaching, teaching, healing. Healing. And he's bringing the kingdom. And so far, he's shown he has power to make clean. He's shown he's got power to heal from a distance. He's shown that he has power to remove fever. And guess now what he's doing? And this is the title of the message. He's the tempest tamer. He can tame the tempests. And when Matthew tells us that Jesus... Check this. Let's go back to the Matthew Scripture. Where it says that Jesus arose. Do you know what happens there? Do you know what that word, do you know when that word's used? Go with me clear back now to, well, we're going to celebrate it the last, I believe it's the last Sunday of March, Easter. Same word. He arose. Jesus arose. And when he arose, literally what happens is he causes the the thing that was going to kill, he caused it death. Do you know that's what Jesus did to death when he rose? Now, it still takes us, the Bible says death is the last enemy to be defeated but Jesus is already he's already conquered death right hell and the grave we haven't people still die but the last enemy that's going to be defeated is death but Jesus has defeated it for himself and if we will accept him for us and i don't mean it won't we won't die it's appointed unto man once to die but after this comes the judgment Jesus said you got to get born again And Nicodemus is going, well, how can I do that? He said, what's his flesh? His flesh. What's spirit? Spirit. You've been born once by your mama. Now you need to get once born by me. So you got to be born again. And if you're born twice, you die once, and that's it. But if you're only born once, you die twice. The Bible says those who are going to be resurrected from the grave that went to Hades in Revelation chapter 20, are going to be resurrected. They're going to stand before the great white throne. God's going to judge them. Their name's not going to be found in the Lamb's book of life. This pains my heart to say, they won't make heaven. The Bible says they will be cast into the lake of fire where the false prophet and the the devil is. He's going to be cast there. And they'll be tormented day and night like, well, pastor, that's not very good news. No, the good news is you don't have to go there. The bad news is that's what happened when we left God, when Adam and Eve made the decision they did in the garden. So part of the miracle that I want you to see here, and I'm beginning to close, how quickly the storm went away. Suddenly it came, suddenly it went. Jesus said the word, and the storm immediately stopped. Even the Bible said, even the surface of the water, the sea was calm. A great calm. You could have skied on it like glass. Are you noticing church a trend? How Jesus speaks and miracles happen? It comes in an instant. One moment you're in danger and perishing, one moment you got leprosy, and the next minute you've got clean skin. One minute, you got fever, and now you don't have it, and you're serving everybody. One minute, your servant's lying almost dead, and the next minute, he's up making making a meal. And I want you to notice that one moment, we're a sinner, and the next moment, we're saved. I want you to also notice... That it's no, it doesn't matter how big or deep the trial. Know that Jesus can rescue you in an instant. Your world may be shaken right now to the core, but Jesus has just to say a word, and just like that, it'll calm. Note, notice also God's grace in this miracle. I really want you to focus on this because we need this. Even though these disciples showed little faith. Jesus still rescued them. Their faith was imperfect, probably just like yours and mine. But Jesus didn't ignore their cries for help because their faith was imperfect. Jesus said, peace be still, not only to the storm, but also to those troubled hearts and minds of those disciples. And you know what? That's where we need a lot of our healing. The Chastisement of our peace was on Him. Last of all, Jesus is fully God and man. Look with me at verse 27. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey Him? And that's really the question of the day, isn't it? What kind of man is Jesus? Who is He? Wow, who is He? What kind of man speaks to the winds and waves, and they obey Him? What kind of man talks to the weather He doesn't just talk about it. He does something about it. Jesus was definitely a man. He is a human. He had a limited human body just like you and I do. He got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He was tired in the boat to the point that he was sleeping. He worked hard healing people all evening. He was tired. He fell asleep. So Jesus is definitely a man. But this miracle shows us he's also much more than a man because in the Old Testament, only God has power over the sea. Only God has power over the sea, and so Jesus is shown by this miracle, uh, he's both God and man. Matthew tells us the disciples marveled, and it is the same word that Matthew used back in verse 10 where we learned that Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Do you ever get amazed about Jesus? Do you ever marvel about him? You know, we should, because as we read through the Gospels, we'll find that there is no one like him in all of history. He defies all human categories. What kind of man is this? He is a man, but so much more than a man. He's fully God and fully man. Buddha didn't do that. Hare Krishna didn't do that. Muhammad didn't do that. Only Jesus did that. His tiredness in the boat shows us humanity, and his calming the sea shows his divinity. Jesus' power over the storm shows he has all authority in heaven and on earth as the disciples cry out, even the winds and the waves obey him. And the word obey simply means to do what someone says, to carry out orders. And that's exactly what the winds do when he says, peace, be still, and the winds and the waves obey. Now, That is power. Jesus is Lord. He's not only the Lord and Master over illness as shown in the healings that we've seen before. He's now Master and Lord over nature as shown by the calming of the sea. Creation recognizes its creator. Let me close with this. Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God, but he didn't quit there. He then demonstrated the power and the presence of the kingdom through his miracles. He said the kingdom of heaven is here. Over a century ago, there was a lion tamer named Clyde Beatty. And he learned a lesson that even today still impacts nearly every area of our life. Clyde Beatty was born in Bainbridge, Ohio in 1903. And when he was a teenager, he left home to join the circus, and he landed a job as a cage cleaner. And in the years that followed, Beatty quickly progressed from a lowly cage boy to a very popular entertainer. He became famous for his fighting act in which he would tame fierce wild animals, not tamed. At one point, Beatty's act included a segment where he brought lions, tigers, cougars, and hyenas into the circus ring. Everybody else is around the ring. How'd you like to be at a circus like that? Oh, now is incoming wild lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. How did he manage to survive? Thanks to a simple idea he came up with. Clyde Beatty was one of the first lion tamers to bring a chair into the circus ring. Now, that classic image we have of a lion tamer is one of an entertainer holding a whip and a chair. Now, the whip gets all the attention because it's the loudest, but it's mostly, can I tell you, For show. In reality, it is the chair that does all the important work. You see, when a lion tamer holds a chair in front of the lion's face, the lion tries to focus on all four legs of the chair at the same time. So, with its focus divided, the lion becomes confused, and literally it's unsure to do what to do next, so it freezes. Doesn't know what to do. With so many options, this lion chooses to freeze and wait instead of attacking the man holding the chair. Pastor, what are you saying? Well, how like the lion we humans can be when confronted by so many storms in life? Many people are confused and unsure what to do next. And they focus on way too many things instead of one thing. Now, that lion would have focused on Clyde. Clyde wouldn't have been around. But instead, he focused on... Too many things. Are you in the middle of a storm this morning? Has your world been shaken? Is there something you're having a little trouble trusting Christ for this morning? Something seems beyond his ability to help. This is my prayer that this message about the tempest tamer will be a reminder from heaven that Jesus spoke to the storm on the Sea of Galilee and the storm stopped. And Jesus is completely unthreatened. He's not threatened by what you're going through, even though you might be. We as humans, we get really rattled when we hear cancer we hear incurable and a host of other things. Jesus is completely unthreatened. Jesus will completely take care of you. Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man and you can trust His power and care no matter how bad the situation. Focus on Him. Put your trust in Christ, even if it just starts with a little faith. I'll leave you with this. Jesus said, faith is like a mustard seed. And remember, the mustard seed is the smallest of the herbs. But when it's planted, it grows into a big, it looks like, actually, it's the one herb that looks like a tree. So, he wasn't talking about necessarily the littleness of it, but he was just like, if you just start there, plant it, water it, use it. According to your faith, and you're going to find this, we're going to read this over and over. You're going to keep seeing this. Jesus will often say before he heals someone, according to your faith, let it be done. And remember when he said, Do you believe I can? And the guy said, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Bow with me. Father, I thank you today for the attention of everyone in this room and those online. Thank you for your word that never, ever fails. And it changes not. It's the same today as it was yesterday and will be the same tomorrow when we wake up. I just speak peace. I speak Jesus over you in this room and online. I speak Jesus into your situation. Lord, let peace flow in Jesus' name. Be a miracle-working God and the tempest tamer in everyone's life today, I pray. If you receive it, would you say, I receive it? In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless. Have a great week.